Good morning and welcome to worship at Naples United Church of Christ here in Naples, Florida. We are honored by your presence. My name is Dawson Taylor and I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister and we are honored by your presence here this morning. Although here, well, means a lot of things and we know that actually we have people from across the world watching because we have members who have returned to their other homes, uh, and there are a few who live uh, outside of the United States when they're not with us. And so we are honored and grateful to have you with us today, and whether that's currently during worship or if you watch the archive. And so we are grateful no matter where you are or when you watch to have you with us. Or if you download our audio podcast, we uh, are grateful for the technology that allows us to worship in a variety of ways If by chance you are worshiping with us for the first time, we are especially honored by your presence this morning and hope that you will continue to feel at home worshiping with us. And when this time of uh, self-quarantine and isolation is over, we hope that you will join us either in person or continue to join us uh, online. We want to also uh, let you know about a couple of things that are happening in the life of the congregation. Our clergy roundtable continues this week, Wednesday evening at 5 p.m. Our clergy team is discussing the wonderful book, The Book of Joy, by His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Uh, This is, I have found, a particularly wonderful book to be reading during this time where so much anxiety is put into our system. This is a, a great book to help uh, center ourselves. And so I hope that you're able to uh, read the book as you uh, have time, but also hope that you're able to join us for those conversations and join us via live stream or Facebook Live on Wednesday evening. And then, of course, Wednesday at noon, our midweek meditation services continue. This week, we uh, welcome Reverend Alan Coe, pastor of Mayflower United Church of Christ, our uh, sister congregation here in Naples. And then we will welcome our own Dr. Alexandra Carlson as the uh, musician. And so we hope that you'll join us at noon on Wednesday for this wonderful time of meditation and centering. And so Wednesday noon and 5 p.m. are two wonderful opportunities to uh, recenter your week halfway through. And then as you are hopefully aware, we have begun the Mighty Mask Ministry for those who either want to sew masks or those who need them. Right now, the uh, list of those who need them is much longer than those who uh, have signed up to sew. So we're particularly looking for sewers. And if you will email masks at naplesucc.org and let us know if you need a mask or if you're willing to sew. If you are willing to sew, we will get you a pattern. We'll help you find supplies and we would um, appreciate that uh, help and support But if you do need a mask, we hope that you will uh, reach out to us so that we can help support you in this time and through this unique way of support for one another during this time of quarantine and being uh, especially cautious. And so that's a wonderful ministry. I'm grateful for all of those who have helped set this up, but also who have responded to that call. Those are all the announcements I have at this time. And so as a quarantined congregation, let us continue in this gift of worship. Again, welcome.
Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And in this time of worship, O God, we ask that you would speak either through me or in spite of me, but that above all else we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. A few years ago, there was a contest to judge the world's best and funniest joke. The winning joke went like this. Two men were hunting in the woods. Suddenly, one man clutches his chest, gasps for breath, and drops to the ground. His friend immediately gets out his cell phone and dials 911. He tells the emergency operator, my friend just died, what do I do? The operator says, take a deep breath, sir. First, you need to make sure that he's actually dead. After a few seconds of silence followed by a gunshot, the man gets back on the phone and says, okay, what now? Well, that's one way to make sure that someone is dead. Certainty is very difficult to attain in this world, and there's always room for doubt. However, doubt can also be very disheartening. Our scripture reading this morning is probably the world's most famous doubter. And we already know his name. The news of Jesus's resurrection spread quickly among the disciples. You can imagine the quickened pulse and the rapid excited speech of those who had encountered the risen Christ as they shared their experience with others. You can also imagine the difficulty of those who had heard the story but had difficulty believing it. The first recipients of the good news of Easter were the male disciples, and typically they considered it idle nonsense of the distraught and hysterical women, and they did not believe it. And yet I am reminded that if it were not for women we would have no knowledge of the resurrection. The most famous holdout of all of this group, of all of the disciples that followed Jesus, was called Thomas, the twin, who famously said, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. Most of us have had times in our lives when we could identify with Thomas. 
We too have doubted. And I'll admit that when someone says to me that they have never doubted their faith, I almost always find it to be a strange comment. It's like what Woody Allen once said, that he would have no difficulty believing in God. All God would have to do would be to deposit $1 million in a Swiss bank account in his name. And the idea of doubt is intriguing to me in the times that we are living in. I wish that there were easy and understandable answers to the difficult questions like why people suffer. But perhaps faith isn't always finding the answer. Perhaps faith is finding God in the struggle. I wonder when we struggle with the great questions of life that such struggles become an essential part to a deep and abiding faith that carries us through times like this. Writer and theologian Frederick Buechner put it this way, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep faith alive and moving. However, in order to experience the true joy that God intends for us, there must come a time when we begin to doubt our doubts. Doubting our faith might be easy, but doubting our doubts, I believe, is a lot more profitable. J. Wallace Hamilton once told a story about a Russian girl who was brought up as an atheist. She was taking a government exam and like many students was worried about some of the answers that she had given. One particular question on the exam had bothered her. The question was this, what is the inscription on the Sumerian wall? She had written the answer that she believed she had been taught, religion is the opiate of the people. This, of course, is the famous anti-religion declaration of Karl Marx. But the girl wasn't sure of her answer, so she walked seven miles to the wall to check it out. And sure enough, there it was. Religion is the opiate of the people. Greatly relieved, she got, forgot her upbringing for a moment and exclaimed, oh, thank God I got it right. There are times when an atheist must thank somebody. Sometimes we have to doubt our doubts. Brennan Manning in his book, Ruthless Trust, tells the story of John Cavanaugh, a man who went to work for Mother Teresa for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta. He went not only to be of help to others, but to also seek clear answers 
on how to spend the rest of his life. His first morning there, John asked Mother Teresa to pray for him. She asked what exactly he needed prayer for. He answered that he was seeking a clear answer as how to spend the rest of his life. She asked, Are you listening to God? He said, Well, I keep trying, so pray that, pray that I have clarity. So finally, Mother Teresa said, Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity that he longed for, she laughed. I have never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Robin Lovin, former dean of my alma mater, Perkins School of Theology, wrote this. Resurrection faith is not true because you can prove it, like a theorem in your high school geometry book. It is not true because you've mastered it by trial and error. Resurrection faith is not true even because the women and the angels say it was so. Resurrection faith is true because something in this witness to God's way of working connects with your own experience in a way that says, yes, of course. You see, I believe that a healthy faith also has healthy doubt. But at some point in that journey of faith, we have to learn to doubt our doubts. At some point, there must be a moment where we too exclaim, I have seen the Lord. A moment where the vision before us is so clear, it's as if Jesus has entered the room and said, peace be with you. And we feel our worries and our anxieties settle. Doubt in of itself is not an enemy or a demon to be feared And if you're like me, the times that we are going through are the moments when I feel as though I too am locked inside a room, not sure what to expect next, not sure who to listen to, and uncertain about where it is that God is at work. But it is also in that same struggle that I find God in new and in wondrous ways. So my friends, we mustn't be afraid of our doubts. We must learn to doubt our doubts. So what happened to Thomas? What happened to him after his experience with the risen Christ? His later career is actually wrapped in mystery and in legend. 
an apocryphal book called The Legend of Thomas claims to give his history. It says that when the disciples divided up the world to conquer it for Jesus, Thomas received India. And it was there that he died for the faith that he once doubted. And indeed, in India today, you will find a church called the Thomas Church of India, which claims Thomas as its founder. You see, Thomas learned to doubt his doubts. And in doing so, we could become the people of faith that we are today. And we thank God for that faith and for that doubt.